There is a fifth dimension, beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. It lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Dimensions, a Twilight Zone podcast. I'm your host, Bill Couch, and welcome to Episode 9 of Season 1, titled Perchance to Dream. This was written by Charles Beaumont, directed by Robert Flory, produced by Buck Houghton, in the cast were Richard Conti, John Larch, and Suzanne Lloyd. Music was by Bernard Herman. You can watch it on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, or the DVDs or Blu-rays if you so have them. If you don't have them, I suggest you get them. The air date was November 27th, 1959. Bear in mind, there are spoilers ahead, so if you haven't seen the episode, pause this, go watch the episode, come back, and listen to this podcast, and then send me some feedback. I love to hear feedback. Give me the good stuff, the bad stuff, call me names, insult my mother, you know, um, tell me your favorite kind of shoes. I don't care. Send me something, and we'll read it on the air. Send it to Dimensions. TZ podcast at gmail.com and I'll be sure to get it. And now, here's Will Lastly with the opening narration. 12 o'clock, noon. An ordinary scene in ordinary city. Lunchtime for thousands of ordinary people. To most of them, this hour will be a rest, a pleasant break in the day's routine. To most, but not all. To Edward Hall, time is an enemy and the hour to come is a matter of life and death. So, this episode is about a man named Edward Hall, who's having a pretty bad day. Um, visibly disheveled and distraught, he, uh, he enters the tall building. He enters the psychiatrist's office of Dr. Rathman, who, in this episode, is played by John Larch, and... He pauses to look at the secretary. One of the cool things about this episode is the little nuances that you'll notice. And he pauses to look at the secretary on his way into the into the office. But he still carries on and goes into the office with Dr. Rathman, who carries all the, the weight of a person whose only worry is a cloudy day. You know what I mean? And if you watch the episode, you know what I mean with Dr. Rathman. He sort of carries on like what Edward Hall is telling him is, you know, a story about going to McDonald's and, you know, ordering food or something. So the doctor tells him to lay down on the sofa and tell him what's bothering him. And So Edward Hall lays down and a wonderful little camera trick where the light slowly fades off of his face and then fades back onto his face, pauses him and 
shocks him back, so to speak, into life, and he pops up off the couch where he explains that uh, he can't or mustn't go to sp- go to sleep because if he does, he's going to die. So Dr. Hall, still playing it rather cool and lackadaisical at this point, um, you know, tries to figure out what's going on with, with Hall and come to find out Hall's doctor sent him to Dr. Rathman to find out what was wrong with him because the doctor couldn't find anything physically wrong with him other than his current ailments, which we'll get to in a second. Um, it's at this point that Hall goes over to the window and opens it up and looks out and sees that he's on the 14th floor. And he says, you know, well, that's, that's quite a drop, you know. And Dr. Rathman, of course, you know, steers him away from the window and says, well, let me turn up the air conditioner, you know, if you're, if you're feeling a little warm, you know. So through the next little exchange with the doctor, we find out that Edward Hall is a 35-year-old draftsman with a heart condition. And the next scene that follows this, um, it, we come to find out that Hall has a rheumatic heart, which, um, if you don't know what that is, it's usually caused by rheumatic or scarlet fever, and basically it's inflammation in the heart vessels and the muscles, which eventually will cause cardiac arrest or stroke or and ultimately death. Now, during this time that he's talking to Dr. Rathman, he's talking about a picture on the wall, and he starts to tell the doctor about the vivid imagination he had when he was a child that if he stared at a picture long enough, you know, according to his mother, his mother said, you know, if you stare at a picture long enough, you can actually watch action on the picture. You can watch, you know, the painting. You can watch if it's a boat, you can watch it move in the ocean. Or if it's horses, you can watch them running in the field, you know. So Hall goes on to explain that he was diagnosed with the rheumatic heart and that any sort of strenuous exercise or shock or any sort of fright might actually kill him. It might actually precipitate a heart attack and kill him. And so he has to, and has had to, since he was 15, avoid any sort of strenuous exercise or frights or surprises, so to speak. It's at this point we learn that Hall, after he pops an upper from uh, his pocket, which the doctor disapproves of but doesn't stop him, uh, we learn that Hall has been awake for 84 hours, which is almost four days if you're keeping count, uh, because he's afraid to go to sleep, because if he goes to sleep, he will die. He says that he dreams in episodes, he tells the doctor, like the the old, um, what they used to call serials back in the day, the movies that would come out there, basically like we have today with sequels, but they would be the continuation of the previous part. And he explains that he dreams that way. When he goes to sleep at night, he has a dream. When he wakes up and goes to sleep the next night, he'll start the same dream back where he left off from the previous night. He then goes on to explain that, you know, with a normal person with a rheumatic heart wouldn't be a bad thing, but for the fact that he has such a vivid imagination causes his mind to run wild and therefore causes undue anxiety and stress which could ultimately kill him and that's when the episode really sort of kicks off he explains to the doctor that every night he has to drive laurel canyon 
on his way home and that he read in the paper where a woman was attacked by a man that was waiting in her back seat when she was on her drive home. He had been waiting in her back seat and he had attacked her and killed her. And so he, he starts to explain how, you know, that affects his life now because he can't stop thinking that maybe there's a person in the back seat of his car when he's on his way home at night from the office driving through Laurel Canyon. And one night he actually saw a face in the rearview mirror which caused him to lose control of his car and crash. The doctor said that he survived but barely. That um, if, you know, another shock like that, Hall told, you know, Dr. Rathman that his doctor told him that one more shock like that could kill him. He then goes on to explain the reason that he's been up for 84 hours. And it's due to a dream he had where he was at a carnival and he was walking around and there were rides and games and everything else when he comes upon a carnival barker. You know, one of the people that would stand out in the midway and, you know, hurry, 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 see the, you know, bearded woman and all this other stuff. You know, you've seen him at carnivals and fairs and whatnot. So this barker he runs across points him to the what what is basically a burlesque tent where he explains, you know, you come inside, you want them, we got them. You want fat ones, we got them. You want thin ones, we got them. Blondes, brunettes, redheads, orientals, you know, he says the whole thing, we got them. And he had a dancer out in front with him to sort of give them, you know, a sneak preview of what you'd see if you went inside the tent and paid your admission, where he comes across the dancer who is named Maya the Cat Girl. So after she does a little dance and they start pulling people inside to the burlesque tent. Uh, Maya comes over and starts to talk to Hall, and he actually explains to her in the dream, you know, you realize I'm at home asleep and you're part of my dream, and she said, you know, yeah, I know that, but come with me, and she leads him to the fun house, which, you know, um, they do some above head of the actor shots and some, you know, sort of uh, sideways and Dutch shots where it looks all disorienting and, and unnerving and the dream ends. So Hall explains to Rathman that uh, he wakes up the next night, he goes to dream again and the dream picks up right where the previous one left off. He and Maya are leaving the fun house except in the second night dream and you'll notice this with the acting Maya the cat girl seems a lot more sort of sinister and dark. It's at this point in the dream that Maya coaxes him onto a roller coaster and they start riding and she starts laughing maniacally and then she turns to him and she tries to convince him to jump off the roller coaster, which of course he knows if he jumps, he will fall to his death in the dream and then he will die of a heart attack, you know, in real life. And it's at this point where the second dream ends and we're back in the psychiatrist's office with Hall and Dr. Rathman where Hall explains that you know if he goes back to sleep he jumps he has a heart attack he dies but if he stays awake the stress and the strain from being awake for that long will kill him anyway so he says one of the best lines to me in uh, Twilight Zone 
history, he says, you know, heads you win, tails I lose, which of course is made even better by Conti's performance of the character of Edward Hall. So at this point, Hall says he wants to go get some fresh air, so he starts to head out of the office. When he does, he takes another good look at the receptionist, and his face reveals all, and he says, Maya, and he runs back into the doctor's office in a fright and jumps out the window, falling 14 stories to his death. We then get a shot of Dr. Rathman, where he stands up, and he calls in his receptionist and tells her that Hall is dead. And he checks the body, which is laying down on the sofa. And the receptionist says, well, I don't understand it. He just came in here. And Rathman said, yeah, I told him to lie down. He laid down, went directly to sleep, let out a scream, and died. So that all he did that was talking to the doctor was nothing more than the final dream that Edward Hall had of a dream basically within a dream, and he died either way. And now, here's Will Lastly with the closing narration. They say a dream takes only a second or so, and yet in that second a man can live a lifetime. He can suffer and die, and who's to say which is the greater reality, the one we know or the one in dreams, between heaven, the sky, the earth, in the twilight zone. Thank you, Will Astley, for the opening and closing, as always. So, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. So, this episode was directed by Robert Flory, who was born in 1900 and died in 1979. He directed 115 projects over the years, mostly episodes of TV shows, including episodes of... The Untouchables, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Dick Powell Theater, and The Outer Limits. He also directed three episodes of The Twilight Zone. This one, The Fever, and The Long Morrow. It is reported that during this episode, he really, you know, was driving toward perfection. That he was obsessed with the way the episode had to be shot the way it had to be lit and everything, and he made it as near as perfection in Charles Beaumont's, the writer's, eyes as possibly could have been done. And we will see more of Flory's work when the other two episodes come along. Edward Hall was played by Richard Conti, who was born in 1910 and died in 1975. He has 95 credits to his IMDb, he started his career with 1939's Heaven with a Barbed Wire Fence and ended his career with Return of the Exorcist in 1975. He mostly played in movies, but appeared in some television shows like The Danny Thomas Hour, The Craft Suspense Theater, and 77 Sunset Strip. His biggest role, or the one that he's known to be most famous for, even though he wound up being a B-movie actor through most of the 60s, was, was his biggest role was playing Emilio Bressini in 1972's The Godfather opposite Marlon Brando. Obviously, he wouldn't live too long after this, but 
It was arguably his most famous role. Unfortunately, he died of a heart attack in 1975. Dr. Rathman was played by John Larch, who was born in 1914 and died relatively recently in the year 2005. He has 171 credits to his IMDb. He started his career with the TV show Waterfront and ended his career with the TV show Dallas. He played in several TV shows such as The Virginian, The Fugitive, Mission Impossible, and Rawhide. He was also in Clint Eastwood movies titled Play Misty for Me and Dirty Harry, as well as Father Nuncio in the Amityville Horror. He also appeared in three episodes of The Twilight Zone. This one, Dust and It's a Good Life, opposite Cloris Leachman, who just recently passed away. I was sorry to hear about her death. She was a monumental talent and will be missed. But we will talk more about her later when the show It's a Good Life comes up. And Larch died in 2005, and most notably other than that, uh, before he got into acting, he was a professional baseball player. So there's a little something interesting. Now, Maya the Cat Girl and Slash the Receptionist, who were the same person, uh, was played by Suzanne Lloyd, who was born in 1934 and is still alive. So good for her. She has 60 credits on her IMDb. She started her career in the Lux Playhouse Theater in 1958, and her last role on TV was in The Young and the Restless, um, being in 2017, although from basically the 80s to 2017, she really didn't do anything. She was quite a stunning woman who was also in TV shows like Maverick, Gunsmoke, and most notably most notably Zorro and the Saint and this was her sadly her only TV episode where she was in the Twilight Zone I almost wish she had done more I think she would have been really good in some of the other roles such as like in episodes like the After Hours or 22 but you'll see about those more as time goes on and we cover them alright now let's move on to the trivia section of the podcast where we'll talk about weird things with the show um richard conti who played edward hall played a man with a heart condition and sadly in real life he had a heart condition and died of a heart attack in 1975 the show was written by charles beaumont based on a short story by charles beaumont that was published in playboy in 1958. It is said to be one of the stories that inspired the movie series Nightmare on Elm Street. The whole um, not being able to go to sleep for fear of dying thing was a a uh, strong inspiration for the films. Suzanne Lloyd, uh, who played Maya the Cat Girl, said in an interview that she based her movements, her dance movements for Maya the Cat Girl on the movements of big cats like lions and cheetahs and leopards. I don't really buy it, but, you know, if it sells merchandise, it sells merchandise. 
this was one of 18 episodes of season one that had the opening credits and title sequences um, basically pasted over with the opening title and and uh, credit sequences of the season two uh, look of the Twilight Zone so that they could run work more uh, seamlessly in syndication over the summer so that people would get used to the look of the next season before the next season came out. And lastly, in a trivia of life imitating art, Charles Beaumont, the writer of this episode, was said to have also dreamt in sequence where, much like the character of Edward Hall, he would dream, and then the next night, the dream would pick up exactly where the one left off the night before. That's not a very common thing. He wrote it into the uh, story, semi-autobiographical, like a lot of writers do. So just know that there are people out there that actually do dream in sequence, and that's pretty interesting to me. Now, let's move on to the goofs section of the podcast where when Edward Hall dies you can still see him breathing after he died while he's laying on the couch another one is while he is driving the steering wheel is in the wrong position the little metal bar on the inside of the steering wheel is the horn and it's meant to be in the down position while you're traveling you know uh, straight forward so basically he was always turning to the right during the episode, even though he was traveling the canyon, which has many right and left turns as well. And in one of the closing sequences, when Hall jumps out the window, it is very clearly a stunt double that um, jumps out the window for him. Oh, and one last little bit of trivia. The uh, pills that Hall was taking. Uh, I have actually read the short story that this episode was based on and the pills that he was that he was taking were dexedrine which is an upper that's prescribed for people with narcolepsy so to keep them awake he was taking drugs that you know people with narcolepsy would take and i always i thought that was a pretty interesting little um bit of 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 you know good work on Beaumont's part to include that Obviously, they couldn't put that, you know, in the episode for fear of, you know, children taking Dexedrine if they can get their hands on it. But in the realm of this episode and dealing with the story, that was a pretty interesting uh, thing, I think. A little bit of extra trivia for you. Now, let's move on to the likes and dislikes. The likes in this in this episode, I, I, I firmly believe this is one of the episodes. It's really became, over the years, it's really become one of my favorite episodes of the series just for the way it's directed the way it's acted the way it's shot the whole deal and the whole thing it it, it you know revolves around it's not like a normal surling twilight zone where things go along and then all of a sudden there's a twist ending and you never saw it coming and all that i legitimately when i first saw this sometimes you could pick them out sometimes you can't and the first time i saw this i literally couldn't pick out what was going to happen and it really really to me is one of the better episodes of the series it's a top five it's not a top five but it's definitely in the top 15 for me anyway so with the likes 
I think uh, Robert Flory did a phenomenal job of directing this this episode. I couldn't see a person, especially at that time, do quite as good as he did. You know, it was kind of like lightning in a bottle. He did really well with it, I thought. And he did good with the other ones, but I think this one, he really, really shined with his directing skills. Another thing I really liked about this episode was the acting, most notably Richard Conti. Um, he played disheveled and distraught and scared and anxious and angry and nervous and everything to a T. And he even sweat on top of that to make it look even more real. Of course, I think we've discussed this before. I think pretty much everyone sweat constantly back then because that's all you see on TV shows and and movies is that people always had a nice sheen of sweat on them. But in Edward Hall's case, it's definitely um, earned, I think, at that point. John Larch uh, did really well as a doctor who doesn't really care whether his patient lives or dies and was somewhat lackadaisical and sarcastic throughout the episode. But he played it well, and he played it... Uh, Almost for laughs, but not meaning for laughs. And I think he did it quite well. I think it's a very understated performance. And, you know, uh, the story in and of itself was another thing that I really liked about it. You know, Suzanne Lloyd was wonderful. I wish she would have been in more stuff. Um, but somebody else could have done that role just as well. I'm not saying they couldn't for Conti, but I think it would have been a, a tough, you know, build to fit. You know what I mean? But the story itself, I think the story itself was a great story. The way that and the way that it was handled by Flory and the actors was phenomenal, and I loved it. And that's one of the reasons why I really liked this episode. Now, my dislikes, I don't really have much. Um, I wish they would have developed the character of Dr. Rathman a little more, just to see, you know... Like, maybe give him a backstory as to what kind of day he was having before Hall came in. I think that would have been interesting. And, of course, as always, I would have loved to have seen it been an hour-long episode and sort of filled in a little more with more of the dream, maybe, or more of Hall's existence before, you know, the day he walks into the doctor's office. Now, onto the moral or philosophy of the episode. Um... This one, I think, in a way, um, revolves around the power of suggestion. I think that Beaumont and through Serling and and all of that, since Beaumont wrote it, but Serling sort of adapted it, and Flory definitely put the finishing touches on it. I think it's it's mostly teaching us about the the power of suggestion and how the power of suggestion can either be a really good thing in the fact of developing like a child's imagination like Hall when he was a child or it can be a really bad thing because it can cause anxiety and stress anger, depression and the whole works up to including possibly death because I think maybe Hall wouldn't have you know actually died had he not been under that severe amount of strain thinking he was going to die due to the power of suggestion given to him by his mother and his doctor. So I think this, this episode ultimately boils down to the power of suggestion 
and how it can be either be a really good thing or an extremely dangerous thing. Much like anything, it's in how we handle it. All right, and finally, the last segment of the podcast. If Hollywood were to call me and say, Bill, because Hollywood's a person, you know, and they want my opinion, they say, Bill, we're going to make this episode again. Who would you cast as the characters in this episode? And to my mind, uh, and certainly email me and tell me what you think. Tell me your suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. But in my mind, I would cast John Krasinski as Edward Hall for Dr. Rathman, since it was kind of a small part, and I like putting big actors in small parts, I'd put Bill Murray in that role. Due to the somewhat sarcastic nature and somewhat lackadaisical attitude, which Bill Murray has built an entire career upon, I think it would be pretty much a perfect fit. And for Maya the Cat Girl, I would either go with Michelle Williams, who definitely has the acting ability, or Megan Fox, oddly enough, who has somewhat of an acting ability, but definitely she has the sex appeal slash sensuality to pull off the character of Maya the Cat Girl. So that's that's my uh, picks for who I would think should be in the cast if they were to remake it today. Email me. Tell me yours. I'd love to hear from you. Now, the next episode we will cover will be episode 10, Judgment Night, which is the story of a guy who takes a cruise over and over and over and over and over again. Tune in, won't you? Well, the clock on the wall is telling me that it's time to go. So, please, if you would, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell people you hate, people you love, email the president, tell them about this show, and tell them to give me feedback. I always like hearing from you guys. So, if you would, send that feedback to dimensionstzpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.